Welcome to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. I'm your host, Donald Miller. I'm joined by my co-host, Dr. J.J. Peterson. Hi, J.J. Hello, Don. J.J., today we're talking about what used to be called guerrilla marketing. We're talking about this idea of of, of the fact that the little things matter, that this, yes. this idea of like going above and beyond, surprise and delighting customers, showing up when they least expect it, that these things are just absolutely huge. Yeah. And Jeff Henderson is a new friend. Jeff Henderson worked at Chick-fil-A for years in the marketing department and then actually went over to Andy Stanley's church and started a church. I mean, he started yeah. a church under the Andy Stanley flag, yeah. the North Point flag. And he and he talks about the what he's taken from one to the other yeah. and the in the Venn diagram, what overlaps. Yeah. And he's actually sort of revolutionized how they do church based on what he learned at Chick-fil-A. That's fascinating to it me. It is. I think a lot of times for me, when a company is memorable and I become yeah. loyal to them yeah. and I become kind of like a brand ambassador, it isn't the big things. The big things are already taken care of, right? Like, you know, if it's an airline, they're going to get me there on time or if it's a TV, like it works well and I loved it and I bought it from this company over here, the TV was great. But it's just the tiny little things, like maybe afterwards they sent you a note or they gave you an extra mint or they right. just the things that don't cost us a lot. They might cost us a little bit of time, maybe a dollar more. Right. And those are the things I remember. I don't remember the TV experience. I remember right. that this person afterwards sent me a note because he remembered about my favorite show that we talked about when I was there and just said, if I can help you anyway, let me know. That's what I remember. You I, know, I would I would literally put it at a thousand to one in the sense that you can send out a thousand mailers or brochures or one sort of thank you card or small gift or even leave somebody a voicemail it's worth a thousand postcards in the mail. Yep. I, I I really do believe that because that person will turn around and talk and they're gonna make more purchases, they're gonna turn around and talk. And that's not why you do it. Yeah. But Jeff sort of gets into the heart of why they serve their community in the way they do and the effects that it's had. But I think we should just get right into it. Here's my conversation with Jeff Henderson. Jeff Henderson, thanks for joining us. Don, great to see you, man. It's rare we get a live interview in the studio. So I'm the like trivia answer question. You are. You're the, the first, first one. You're the first one in this. We've had the studio for about five months. We normally shoot video here. We're up in the studio at Goose Hill, hmm. and uh, uh, you were the first person to come. They are still painting the walls <laughs> downstairs. And the wallpaper I saw was amazing. Wallpaper, yeah. We finished the studio four <laughs> months ago, which tells you about my priorities. Let's get the thing that makes the money that pays for the wallpaper right. done before you actually put the wallpaper I love in. It. Uh, but you're the first person to come. Your new book is called Know What You Are For, but really it's about how to get people to talk about your business and draw into your business. In order to do that, you got to know, you got to be for something that helps people get involved and get engaged, right? Absolutely. Yes. In fact, it maybe seem a little weird for a pastor to be talking about business, but mm-hmm. I, I'm a preacher's kid and I promised myself I would never, ever work at a church. Right. So <laughs> I, I went into marketing and and uh, before I did this, I was in marketing for Chick-fil-A, worked with David yep. Salyers, our mm-hmm. mutual friend, and Mark yep. Miller. And so I've kind of been on both sides of the world. I've been on the business side, and I've been on the What was that transition side. like? Well, now, your dad was a pastor, so you were familiar with the, the quote-unquote family business. <laughs> That's right. Then That's you right. went and worked for Chick-fil-A, which is just a Southern Baptist church that sells chicken, That's as right. far That's as right. I'm concerned. <laughs> that wasn't that much of a departure. <laughs> it was a for-profit chicken franchise right. Southern Baptist church. You baptize your nuggets in the honey there mustard. There you go. There you go. So you, you, you did that. I'm curious about that transition of coming back. And just personally, because we're going to talk about your book and give some business tips yeah. in a second. But going from the business world to 
the church world, was it exciting for you? Did, was it a reluctant call of God? What was going on no, that's then? That's a great question. Well, long story short, I actually went to a conference that you spoke at, Willow Creek, and mm-hmm. that's where I just felt like I'm supposed to help start a church someday. That's wow. That was that moment, and, and David Salyers was the one that took me. That was a three-year journey, and then uh, we were attending North Point Community Church, yep. our mutual friend Andy Stanley, and they were launching their first multi-site church in Buckhead, Buckhead Church. And long story short, they came to me and said, would you help us launch this? And so we just felt so called to the, the mission of what they were trying to do. So we left Chick-fil-A to do that. And people ask me, what's the biggest difference between working at Chick-fil-A and yeah. working at North Point Ministries. Right. And, and the biggest difference is now as a pastor, I'm open on Sundays. You know, before I was closed <laughs> on Sundays. But I, Don, I've been on both sides. I've been yeah. on this. this so Chick-fil-A will do $10 billion in sales. And then North Point Ministries has been named the largest church in America. I don't know if that's true or not, but two large organizations. I've been on the front row of them. And then I've, I was asked by a mentor, what did you learn? Because mm. this isn't just a blessing, it's a stewardship responsibility. What did you learn at Chick-fil-A? That you could and what did you le- learn at North Point so oh. that we could learn from you? And, and that's thought, where this book came from? Absolutely. I thought, wow, that's a... You know what's interesting a- about church? People ask, first of all, I, I hardly do sort of marketing strategy sessions for church anymore because it's too complicated. Mm-hmm. They're not necessarily selling a product, but they do have a financial bottom line, and things change so quickly mm-hmm. and all that stuff. But I always say to businesses, you have more to learn from churches than anybody else, because every business usually has great content, but only churches are actually good at putting that content together and delivering it. Right. And so it's it's a fascinating thing when you think about the way churches work. It's a very, very complicated, and I hate to say this, quote-unquote, business model, mm-hmm. but that, you know, it is. And I always think you guys need to run more like Netflix than anything else. You need yeah. you have a lot of content, but you need to focus on one piece at a time, mm-hmm. and you need to drive engagement toward one narrative. And mm-hmm. Andy's an expert at doing that. What did you learn when you went to the church world that you wish you'd have known at Chick-fil-A? Well, you know, you, you mentioned there's a lot that the, the, the church world can learn from the business world. I think, to your point, there's a lot the business world can learn from the church world. And for me, it was communicating and clarifying our purpose. That's why, I don't know if you know this or not, we are, we're actually a story brand customer. JJ came down and did a day and a half no, session. No, I've gone down and spent a day with the North Point Oh, yeah, well, campus. I was there, yeah. yeah. fantastic. So even before that, JJ came down and worked through kind of our, our clarifying purpose. But for me, I just, if I, I, I wish if I could cl- have clarified my purpose in the business world better. I mean, mm. if I'd had story brand back in the day. Yeah. Because that's what's really helped us as our church. And we've really been able to clarify what are we standing for and what are we for as a we church. We call it finding your mission. Yeah, Business absolutely. on a mission, yeah. yeah. And I was with a friend of mine the other day. We went to college together, huge business guy. And I said, you know, I think there's a lot that you could learn from the nonprofit world. And he said, huh? He kind of pushed back a little bit. And he said, what could we learn from you? And I said, well, how many of your employees do you pay? Hmm. And he said, what do you mean? All of them. I said, Exactly. Do you know every Sunday morning I have over a thousand quote unquote employees that work for absolutely free? And do you know why they do that? It's because we've clarified our purpose with them. And when right. you clarify purpose, then they don't hit the snooze button. They get up for coffee and donuts and go park cars in, in cold yeah. weather. Yeah. And so in the business world, if you could combine a paycheck with a clarifying purpose, that's a powerful combination. We always say a, a mission attracts resources. Absolutely. When you clearly define a mission, people come to you and say, I want to be involved. Mm-hmm. And that's why uh, I listened to your podcast with JJ about mission statement. Clarifying a mission statement is really, really important because when there's confusion in the office space, there's confusion in the marketplace about what are, what are we standing for? What are we here for? And so that's one of the things I've really learned in the nonprofit world 
when we clarify that, it can really help gain momentum. And I think that's a lesson that business leaders could learn. In the first chapter of your book, you, you ask if business were a person. And you really ask us to sort of identify the personality of our business. If your business were a human being, would people enjoy hanging out with that person? Mm -hmm. One of the pieces of advice you get is don't be a narcissist, you say on page 85. When our story supports the customer's story, they begin to share that story. How are we more narcissistic in our, in our business personality than we think, and what can we do about it? Look at your Instagram page, and let's, talk, let's look at the last 10 posts. And my hunch is it's all about you and what's happening inside the business and how much better that you are than right. your competitors. That's not surprising information to the customer that you think you're better than your competition. <laughs> so what we want to do is shift the spotlight, and let's start talking more about what is happening in the customer's world. You clarify this in terms of what you do at StoryBrand. I'm saying that you know, the customer is the hero, not the business. And so one of the ways we've tried to communicate this in our church is, Let's take the, you know, typically we try to put the organization on, if you use a football analogy, on the field and the, the customers are in the stands cheering the business That's on right, the score yeah. touchdown. We want to flip the script and put the customers or the community in the, on the field. And we as a church are cheering the community on. Yeah. So we have a, we have this threshold in our, at our church for every third or fourth Instagram post. It has to be about something that's happening in the community because we want to be highlighting them. That's the, that's the group we're trying to serve. Those are the people we're trying to serve and, and highlight. And so for us, that's a way for us to tell our community, we're actually more for you than just talking about us all the time. And actually, just saying that, just saying every third or fourth post has to be about people in the community. One of the things that you'll realize if you actually try to do that is you're not listening to the community. And it takes 10 times as much work to get that one post out than it did the other three or four. Absolutely. But it actually changes your perspective. We stop looking in our belly button. We start looking out at the people who that we need to be talking to. Mm -hmm. All right, chapter two, you talk about the two questions that cause a business to grow. What do we want to be known for? And what are we actually known for? The second one is a scary question. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So the first one's really our question to wrestle with as organizational leaders. What do we what do we want to be known for? Right. What's our what's our aspirational identity? That's right. What's our as Steve Jobs said, what's our dent in the universe? And and that's fun. Um, but the second question is the one for the customers, or in my case, the people who attend our church. They reflect back to me whether or not we are ex delivering on our you know our corporate right. purpose if you will but here's the here's the power of those two questions Don when what you want to be known for is what you're known for then you create a sales force for free yeah. you create vision carriers who carry your mission and vision to other people and say you need to try this out because I've experienced their vision I've experienced them and they they will help your business for example, I'm a vision carrier of StoryBrand. I actually took the StoryBrand message to North Point Ministries and said, we got to get Don down here to Thanks. speak about this. So there you go. Thanks, and you that was awesome. And you didn't pay me anything, So, <laughs> so, but that's part of it. So that's, that's the power of positive word of mouth advertising. In fact, when I was in an advertising school, the professor stands up and says, hey, we all know that positive word of mouth advertising is the most powerful form of advertising. We don't know how to figure that out. So we're going to spend the rest of the semester on paid advertising. Yeah. And I kind of wanted to raise my hand and go, I, I don't think it has to be that mysterious that when you clarify your purpose and people experience it, then they become fans of you. And you even, by talking about your purpose, you tell people what to say about you. Absolutely. And people who don't, haven't clarified that even internal message, nobody knows what to... I, I learned that on an airplane once. A guy sitting next to me was reading my book, and I didn't tell him who I was. <laughs> I asked him, you know, do you like that book? And he started talking. The more he talked about the book, the less I wanted to read it, because it, so, <laughs> it was just so vague. I knew I had to figure that out. A lot of the problem that we struggle with is insider language. And you talk about this in Chapter 3, keep the main thing the main thing. 
four strategies that push against insider-itis. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me what those four strategies are. Well, let, let's go back to uh, my Chick-fil-A days. Yeah. So I would come to operators and say, hey, one of the things you need to do during your busiest time of day at lunchtime is to stand behind, stand in front of the counter and look at it. And they would say, well, hold on, Jeff. This is the busiest time of day. I, I can't do that. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, but that's exactly why you need to do that. Right. So what we have to do in terms of our four strategies, first of all, we just have to look at what the customer is seeing. And then we have to look and experience. Gosh, yeah. What, because at, at give you an example in my world right now. I get at church Sunday mornings before anyone gets, uh, any, any of the, our attendees get there. So there's no parking problems. There's no confusion. Everything's really quiet. And I can have a perspective that, this is how everybody's experience is. But when they, they come in about five minutes before the service, everything's chaotic. I don't get to see that. Yeah. So what I have to do, number one, I've got to make sure that I'm seeing this from the customer's uh, perspective or the attendee's perspective. Then the second thing, I've got to make sure our teams understand what are they seeing and how can I learn from them on the front line? And so for me, I just think, how can I see things from a, from a customer's perspective? And David Salyers taught me this, is that there's consumer logic versus producer logic. Huh. Consumer logic is really what you have to lean into. But producer logic would say this, lunchtime is coming. We got to make sure that the, the chute is full of waffle fries. But the consumer walks up to the counter and goes, how many? How long has that been staying in the right. in the chute? <laughs> right. So you've got to lean into consumer logic, and really, the primary strategy is how can you see things from the customer's perspective? Yeah. And that goes back to that second question: What are you known for? What are they? Experiencing? You want them to see that. You want them to see it demonstrated. Right. And the other thing too, you have to understand, and you know this so well, is that ultimately the customer is eventually treated like the team is treated. So if I walk into a quick service restaurant, I can tell instantly how the person behind the counter is being treated because it's flowing right to me. Man, and there, and you know, so you talk about Chick Fil A and North Point for that matter, because I've been around both organizations. People want to be there; they like being there. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that there are any quick serve restaurants. There are very few. You know, Hattie B's here in uh, Nashville is like this. It's an incredibly positive environment. You get the feeling that everybody working there would rather be there than anybody else. Right. Most quick serve restaurants are not like that. Mm-hmm. And it, it does. You know, I remember there was a time when a specific airline, it's changed now, it's a lot better. But I remember they were so rude to me that I, I actually started feeling sorry for them. I just thought, mm-hmm. you have got to be mistreated in order to do because you're not passing anything along, but. The fact that you've been treated poorly. Right. And I, I literally just started withholding judgment. So it's like, mm-hmm. okay, I actually feel sorry for mm-hmm. you. And insider itis hides that. Insider itis doesn't see how the team is treated. Right. So one of the things we're looking for in our guest services strategies is really simply this is, is smiles. Yeah. Because we believe within our context, we'll, we'll let Disney be the happiest place on earth, but we think the local church should be the most joyful place on the planet. Yeah. So, but it's got to show up here. It's got to show up in my mouth and my face and my yeah. expression. And are we really truly living that out? But you don't see that unless you can kind of hold up a mirror and say, here's how you're looking today. Yeah. Here's how we're looking today. It's so funny because I would think most pastors, when they think about uh, strategies to grow their church, the idea that getting everybody, every volunteer to smile, not by asking them to, but by making them happy, mm-hmm. right? Right. Would be number one strategy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because it just spreads. It's contagious. Chapter four is, is called Become a Fan. And you say on page 134, winning organizations of tomorrow will be more concerned with becoming fans of their customers instead of convincing customers to become fans of the organization. This flies in the face of a lot of modern logic. In fact, a best-selling strategy. How, what do we do to become fans of our people? What does that look like, our customers? I think 
social media, and we, we, we may talk about this a little bit later, but I think social media is a goldmine for, for shifting the focus and becoming a fan of the customer and mm-hmm. becoming a fan of the attendee. Yeah. And I don't think many organizations actually do social media. They do digital media and they forget the social in the social media. <laughs> That's a great thing. That's a great way to say it. And I understand that because we're all so busy, but I feel like social, the more personal you are, the more remarkable that you'll be. Hmm. I can give you a really quick example, if that's okay, to yes, how, how this, of, of being a fan of, of people. So my daughter, Jessie, is, uh, she's a college junior. She's a big fan of the musical duo Johnny Swim. Mm-hmm. I was not familiar with Johnny Swim. I thought they were like Olympic swimmers or something, but it's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing <laughs> duo. So my daughter was going back to college last August, and my wife said, hey, why don't we get tickets to their concert here in Atlanta? And she said, you know, for 50 extra dollars a ticket, we could get backstage passes. Well, I'm not good at math, but 50 times four is 200. I'm right. like, we're already paying a lot on college. <laughs> right. Let's don't do the backstage passes. So, you know, I feel like Dave Ramsey would be proud. So he said no to the backstage passes. So my daughter's interning at the time of this Reggie Joyner's organization. So they feature her. This is Jesse Henderson. She loves this. She loves this. And she loves Johnny Swim. Okay, so they tag Johnny Swim in the post. Well, a few minutes after this, my our little text thread down on our family text thread on our phone, my, it just blows up. And my daughter says... OMG with a screenshot. And what had happened, Don, was Johnny Swim had commented to Jesse and said, we love you too, Jesse. We're obsessed with you too. Well, guess what happened? We bought the backstage passes. (laughs) And what I mean by that is that they got 200 extra dollars with one simple click of a button. And probably they didn't do it for that reason. They just literally, that's their hearts. They they love the people who love them. Right. But don't miss this point. Here I am on the Story Brand podcast talking about Johnny Swim. I'm a vision go. I'm a vision carrier and they haven't paid me anything. Yeah. So, here's the point. They became a fan of my daughter and if anyone is a fan of my daughter, I'm a fan of theirs. Yeah. Now, our mutual friend Andy Stanley has said, which is great cuz I get pushed back on this. We can't do this for everybody, Jeff. Absolutely. But as Andy says, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Oh, it's a great way to say it. So we, one of our guest services strategies at our church is let's deliver wow to one person. So yeah. if, you are, if you're a volunteer at our church, Don, we say, okay, today your goal is to, li- to deliver wow to one person. But if Stephen over here will deliver wow to one person and I'll deliver wow, that's three people that we wow today. So I think that's where the game is going in terms of winning customers in the future, being fans and cheering them on. We'll get right back to the rest of my conversation with Jeff Henderson in just a moment. It's not too late to register for the StoryBrand Marketing Workshop that is taking place in Nashville, Tennessee on February 2nd through February 4th. If you've never been to a live marketing workshop in Nashville, you are going to be blown away. What you're going to leave with is a clear message. That is seven different sentences that you can repeat over and over that cause people to trust you and buy from you. It it positions you and their subconscious as their guide and positions them as a hero. Then those messages get repeated over and over in a sales funnel. So we actually give you the step-by-step process to create a sales funnel. What you leave with is a marketing plan and marketing words that actually work. It's one of the few conferences that you go to, and instead of getting yippee yippee, hey, 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 let's get all riled up, everybody get excited, try harder, You just leave with practical tools that work. It's kind of like you go to one conference and you leave with a screwdriver and a lot of enthusiasm, but you go to this conference and you you leave with a cordless drill. I don't care how much enthusiasm you have, the cordless drill is going to get 10 times the amount done that the screwdriver is. We give you practical tools that make a difference in your marketing. 
Come, bring your marketing people, get it done in 48 hours, and you will never be the same. You will see results. Register at storybrand.com and leave with a marketing plan that works. Register at storybrand.com, and we'll see you on February 2nd. The next section of your book is actually about how to treat your team. And as we already talked about, the way you treat your team is the way your customer is going to be treated. Chapter 9, we're skipping way ahead. There's a lot of great content in between. But designing a for culture, a culture that is for people. You know, you know it's really interesting. We just finished uh, revamping our core values. Mm-hmm. And we actually call them key characteristics, yeah. characteristics that you need to have in order to work here. And one of the ones that we debated but rose to the top was you have to be advocate-minded. In other words, in order to work here, you have to be somebody who's looking out for somebody else and an advocate on their behalf. Mm. We're talking about people who can't afford to go to college or who skip college or who need to go back to college and don't want to get into college debt. We want to be an advocate for mm-hmm. them, and that's what we, want, what we want to be known for. But you say on page 220, you won't engage the hands of people without first engaging the hearts of people. How do, we, how do you actually get a team to care about an issue? You know, how do you get them to be for something if you're bringing a, a wide diversity of people together? Mm-hmm. How do you do that? Well, first of all, you guys are the experts at this. So <laughs> in, terms we try? Of, in terms of clarifying your mission and purpose, that's, that's, yeah. that's, that's fantastic. I would tell you, we, to give you an example, let's go back to the two questions. So these two questions, um, they're not something I kind of came up with four, four weeks ago. I've really been on this journey for years now. So when we started our church, that's how we started. We said, what do we want to be known for? And we thought, well, we're not really known for anything because we're just starting. You know, it's those early startup days. So we said, what is the church known for? And then in that meeting, we wrestled with this, and somebody said, you know what? Many people are more familiar with what the church is against rather than what the church is for. We should talk to the people about what the church is for. Hmm. Let's be advocates, if you will, for them. Yeah, yeah. And everybody looked at one another and said, that's it. That's what we're going to do. So we're going to be for Gwinnett. And that was a rallying cry for us. And so who are we for? We're for Gwinnett businesses. So every Friday, we do this thing called For Gwinnett Friday. We just feature a business on our Instagram page and says that will say, here's so-and-so. They just opened up a new restaurant. Please wow. go support them because we want to be for them. We want to be for Boy, the They're locals. lifelong fans if you did that. They're, they're lifelong fans. Well, real quick story. I, p- I put Carissa in the book with Simply Done Donuts. She opens up this little donut shop, and I instantly know as a former business person, she had to go to a bank. Yep. She had to get a loan. And she needs some cash. She needs some cash, and she needs support. So I went up to the counter, ordered a couple of donuts and coffee, and said, can I meet with the owner? So she, she walks out, and I said, I'm Jeff. I'm from a local church. Tell me your story, exactly what she said. I said, how are sales going? Oh, sales aren't going too well this, this, this month. I said, could we feature you on our Instagram page at our church and tell people to come buy donuts from you? And she said, is this a trick question? <laughs> <laughs> What's the and, downside? Uh, so, and actually, tomorrow, we're, we're doing a Christmas party, and I'm actually going to be there at her store. Now, you can't do that for every business, but again, I go back to what Andy said. Yeah. Do for one what you Such wish you could do for advice. And the other thing, Don, you know how many times Friday rolls around? Every Friday. So we have a system at our church that every Friday You've we feature. you created a habit, a ritual mm-hmm. of featuring somebody else. And these aren't people that necessarily go to our church. That's not, right. I, I love what Chris said. She goes, hey, how much does this cost? It's free. Then she asked this question, why are you doing this? Because we're for you. We want to be advocates for you. So that really had, has allowed our team to be advocates for the, the people in our county. In our county, of the 10 largest high schools in the state of Georgia, eight are in our county. That's mm. how big our high schools are. So we are huge advocates for high school sports 
in our county. I mean, on Twitter, we're talking we're talking a little smack to the other schools in the yeah. state when yeah. it comes to state championships because we want to be for um, for our high schools. And one of my favorite, I still have this on my phone. I can show you a local public high school retweeted our church. And, you know, growing up, the separation of church and state, but nobody lost their mind. Nobody complained and protested to the governor. Right. Why? Because we're not talking about us. Right. We're talking about the school and saying, look how great they are. As a result of that, though, we have a great relationship with our local high schools. So that's the power of being for people when you can create advocacy around these folks and say, hey, you know what? My, my dream would be, Don, that if we decided to close down our church the local businesses and local high schools <laughs> would, would say, no, 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 you, they would protest right. us yeah. closing down. Yeah, yeah. That should be our goal. Boy, if that were the, if that were the goal of every church in America, it would, it would dramatically change the image. Yeah. We've and got for a, businesses, too. Yeah. Yeah not, yeah, not only that. That's true. I, I was with a, uh, an organization recently. We're in Texas and went with a, a business, a medium-sized business, and kind of helped them out with some stuff for a day. Ended up getting a handwritten note from the owners of that business, which meant a lot to me. And then shockingly, got handwritten notes from everybody who was in the meeting. There were about eight people. Wow. Long handwritten notes. You actually have a section in your book on the importance of handwritten notes. I'm telling you, it meant the world to me. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I've never experienced that. I mean, a lot of thank you notes, a lot right. of little gift or something like that. Mm-hmm. Those are also very meaningful. But everybody in the business sending me a note, I mean, in the, in the meeting at least, it was crazy. What's the power of a handwritten note? And why do you believe in them so much so that you would focus on it in the book? And again, I think it's the more personable you are, the more remarkable you'll be. And that yeah. everybody knows that that took time for them to, and, th- and that shows how much they value you. And my, my hero in the thank you note section, uh, or in terms of handwritten notes, is Frank Blake, the former CEO of Home Depot. He would write 100 notes a week. Wow. Yeah. And 100 notes a week. He would sit down on a Sunday and he had a system, though. The system was the regions would send him stories, and he would have a pile of stories, and he would write through. To uh, customers? To, yeah, well, no, to team oh, members. To team members, yeah, we're still in so team members. So they would say, hey, so uh, so-and-so did a great job at this store. Would you write them a note? But here's my favorite Frank Blake story. So he's in, he's, he's in at Home Depot. A Home Depot associate comes up and says, Mr. Blake, you wrote me a handwritten thank you note. Thank you so much, but could you write me another one? And he said, well, okay, but why do you need me to write you another one? He said, well, I, when I got it, I showed it to my wife and my friends. And they said, that's not real. It's computer generated. <laughs> and if you put it underwater, the ink will run. No. So, so he thought, and again, he thought, of course, that's not real. So he put it underwater. The good news is it was real. The bad news is it ruined the note. So he came to Mr. Blake and said, could you write me another one? So to me, first of all, that shows the power of the handwritten note. But here's the thing, Don. The bar is so low in many respects in terms of showing appreciation to people. I tell my kids, if you'll show up on time and write handwritten notes, you're going to be fine. Yeah, you probably will be a millionaire. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Especially in this day and age when we're all on phones and things can be handled so quickly and you can fire off something. Yeah, I want to go old school with a stamp, but I do think it shows people, oh, you noticed me. And I think the bigger the business or church gets, the more this is a challenge for them. Yeah. So as you grow, I love what Dan Cathy says, as we grow, we need to grow small. We want to grow a small company. And I think these symbolic gestures can help companies do that. Gosh, it's really great advice. You say in chapter 18, we're almost to the end of the book, and again, we've skipped some really great material here, but for you got to go get the book. That's right? right. All right, you say, when people say they feel a lack of purpose at work, it's often because the purpose at work is unknown or inconsistent with their personal 
purpose. And you, you talk about in chapter 18, helping people remain inspired. One of the things that we did at the beginning of this year is we put together our mission statement, our key characteristics, mm-hmm. critical actions, our story pitch, and our theme. It's the mm-hmm. five components of our mm-hmm. guiding principles. What we're also doing, though, is we have a guy, actually, you probably know him, Pete Hickson. Oh, yeah. Pete Hickson is working with us. Really? He's actually going to take every single one of our 24 employees, and he's going to take them away for half a day so they can fill out their own personal guiding principles. One of the reasons we're doing that is it really helps everybody understand if you actually belong here. Now, we're not going to look at them and go, you belong here, you don't. Right. But it's going to help people realize, wait a second, do I want to be an advocate for people who really need a life-changing business education? Or do I want to run a pet shelter? <laughs> like, we got to figure this out. And uh, I, I talked to Kurt Richardson. He runs a company called Otterbox, multi-billionaire. And he, he said two things I thought were very interesting. He said, Don, you can't help a company figure out their, uh, their guiding principles until you help the CEO figure out theirs first. It has mm. to be a reflection. Then he literally has every single employee do a life plan. He pays thousands of dollars. You've been there for more than a year. You can go get your life plan done. And he said, the number one thing that comes with that, he said, the number one benefit for me, Kurt, as the owner, the billionaire CEO, is the people who shouldn't be there leave. And I thought that was really fascinating. And he said, because you're not inspired. You don't, you don't belong here. Right. We're not trying to get rid of you. But they figure it out and they go, wait, this isn't where I should mm-hmm. be. Mm-hmm. What is the importance of having your life mission associate with your, your company's mission or your church's mission? How important is that? I think it's just super important. It's incredible. I would just say, first of all, Amen to all of that. Yeah, That's yeah. amazing. And I, I think I call that a not not hit the snooze button moment, that there's right. purpose waiting for me. And I'll give you a, a quick story from my, my life at Chick-fil-A. I drove Truett Cathy, was driving Truett Cathy to a speaking engagement one time, the founder of Chick-fil-A. He didn't invent the chicken, but he invented right. the chicken sandwich. <laughs> right. So I'm expecting chicken sandwich questions and how are you doing and what are you doing for my company? But on the, on the drive, Don, you know what we talked about? We talked about... I may get a little emotional here. We mm. talked about how are you doing as a business person, as a husband? How are you doing as a business person and a father? And so we, you know what we talked about? We talked more about me. And you know right. what? I, when, when I got out of the car that night, I realized Truett genuinely cares for me. Hmm. And here's, here's how his business grew. He was more interested in the business growing me than me growing the that's business. That's really fascinating. And that's how the business grew. Yeah. Because he knew that if he grew me as a person, then that's going to flow to the business. Yeah. And it may flow me eventually out of the business when I discover another purpose or calling like I did. Yeah. So when Pete is sitting down with your team, what he's doing is saying, story brand is for you right? as a person. We're also for what you're going to do here, but we think we can grow both together. And what you're doing and what Pete is doing in that moment, by the way, that's a brilliant hire. I love Pete. Yeah. Is that he... The organization is saying, we are showing you that we're for you. Yeah. And that has a returning effect to the organization. Yeah. How can you say that for customers, but you can't say it for the people inside the team, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And I don't even know if it's so much a strategy as it is your purpose and mission has to actually be true. Right. It has to be true. And and true it's was, I grow people. Mm-hmm. I feed chicken. That's, that's a fundraising mm-hmm. game. Mm-hmm. I grow people. Right. And I really, that's why I love what you're doing. I think in today's world, doing good is good for business. Yeah. You're four people. And that's, I think that's where this is going. Let's go somewhere where we have to go. You've got, we've got some examples. Home Depot guy sell, you know, writes 100 uh, notes a week. Uh, Truett Cathy is got a lot going on, but he's paying attention to your personal life. Mm-hmm. 
as I hear that, as a medium introvert, somewhere between introvert and extrovert, extremely driven uh, Enneagram 3, I hear you say that and I go, those sound like Enneagram 2s. They seem like people who get fed Mm -hmm. by caring about people's lives Mm -hmm. and all that sort of stuff. I mean, this morning, uh, there was a notice... uh, that uh, one of our staff members, it was their their one-year or two-year work anniversary. We have 24 staff members now. We remember every birthday and every work anniversary. We're up to 48 times a year mm-hmm. <laughs> that you've got to remember somebody. And I'm tempted to go to the team and say, you guys, we're going to hurt a lot of feelings here eventually mm-hmm. because you just can't. It's, it, it's unsustainable right. to actually keep doing this. Mm-hmm. And who's driving that action are people who are Enneagram 2s. They're wired. they it's their superpower, right? Right. What do you do to say we got to keep doing that? But that is not my superpower. My superpower mm-hmm. is vision, mm-hmm. drive, strategy, creativity. It's not remembering everybody's birthday or right. the fact that that six months ago today, you know, mm-hmm. you you brought in lunch, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever. So, ha- what is your advice to those of us listening? Going, all right. I guess I'm just a bad leader. Now, you've already said a little bit of it. Mm-hmm. Andy Stanley, who mm-hmm. is, I think, wired similarly. Right. Introverted guy, mm-hmm. very scholarly guy, probably mm-hmm. as comfortable in a book as he is with uh, with people, and he somehow makes it work. What's your advice to those of us who say, that's actually not my superpower? What do we need to do? Andy actually taught me this. He taught me that systems drive behaviors. So what is my what is a system that I can implement that actually can help me in the behaviors? Because I, I still believe I want to create an, a, a, an employee culture where if I can't say happy birthday to all 48, I have a system that allows me to say something at some time. Right. So a system for me is I, I try to, I'm not Frank Blake, but I, I try to write three thank you notes a day. And that bothers me when I don't get to that. Um, but I've, I'm the vision carrier and vision caster for our church. Right. So there's, and we just opened uh, just a few months ago our second location. So now I have two churches of people that I could potentially disappoint. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I totally understand that. But I do believe that if I can apply some systems in my life, it allows me to not lose the personal touch. Yeah. So, for example, we begin our staff meetings at Gwinnett Church. We'll go to Instagram and search the hashtag that we've created for Gwinnett. And for the first two minutes, we just like everyone's photos and comment on them. And you would be amazed, Don, how much feedback we get from the church going, I, I, I can't believe that our church is growing, and That's yet you still strategy. notice me. It's symbolic. It's a system. But, but you say, at this time, we will do this thing that drives interaction and engagement. two minutes. Yeah. And I also hear you say, I'm hearing you say, start small, Miller. That's right. Sunday That's afternoon... Right. Right, right. Don't go for a hundred. <laughs> Don't go for a hundred. Let's do three. And but there's a system. If you were to go to my messy car right now and open up the glove compartment, what you would find would you you would find a stack of note cards. Yeah. Um, so those note cards are there so that if I go to a coffee shop and someone's late, I have I've, I'm yeah, writing a notes. Something to do. Sunday a- afternoons, I send our staff a group me text that says, "Hey, were there any volunteers today that did a great job that needs a, deserves a thank you note for me?" So that sends me stories. That's a system. And so tomorrow I'm writing three thank you notes. Now, am I perfect at this? No. Am I good at this? Pretty good because I have a system that bothers me. Yeah. But the point is you didn't look at it like all or nothing. No, 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 no. It's, yeah. there, in fact, there are people that go to Gwinnett Church that are listening to this podcast right now, Don, that are saying, I've never gotten a thank you note from Jeff Henderson. <laughs> that's so, my fear. Yeah. Well, that's if they're expecting perfection out of me, then they're going to be sorely disappointed. Yeah. But I am 
over time, three thank you notes a day times five times 52 weeks, over time, I'm going to get to a lot of thank you notes. Yeah. Well, the book is Know What You Are For. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Don. You can get the book on Amazon or wherever you buy books. Sounds like there's some really stimulating ideas in there, not just for growing your business, but for growing your soul. I appreciate you coming by. Thanks, Tom. Big fan. Great conversation with Jeff. So good. Yeah, a lot to learn there. I mean, my realtor sent me a Christmas nativity scene, a very nice, like, wooden one. Yeah. And I take it out every Christmas, and I think of her. You know what's interesting is is we've never I know who that is that's yeah. Shannon Shannon d- did not buy any of our houses we have a different realtor but we we do send people to Shannon yeah and we get a gift yeah from Shannon and we don't give an, we don't get a nativity scene we get something else yeah something that's just you know unique to us something that's kind of thoughtful yeah it it just goes a long way especially yeah. if you're somebody like a realtor yeah where you're really probably going to do business with forty people this year yeah I mean that if you spend some time thinking about those forty people yep. And helping them win. Because you and won't do business again with them for five to 10 years. No. But yeah, I mean, they, you want them to come back to you then. It's guerrilla marketing. Yep. Or at least <laughs> whatever what that book is. is about <laughs> is what that book should be about. <laughs> <laughs> well, music from this episode is by Andrew Bell. You can listen to Andrew's music on Apple Music or Spotify. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy. And creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. 